0: On this edition of the Linz Report, a British woman who lived an incredibly lavish life filled with spoils and riches, all while on social assistance, has died. The Convoy Party of Canada anoints a new Grand Wizard to headline their presumable farewell tour, and history has emerged to deliver a grave warning written in stone in Europe. And yes, the show is late, but you don't pay for it, so I'm not apologizing. Let's dive in. The Conservative Party of Canada has spoken. On Saturday, September 10th, they picked their Anglo-Saxon stallion to pilot the chariot of diesel-fume-soaked glory directly into the side of a mountain. Polyev, with the help of Facebook silos, Angry anti-everything cheerleaders and the hollow chance of freedom slid to a handsome in-house lead of 68.2% majority to become the official leader of the party. Conservative Twitter has been twisting their ankles in the puddles of various bodily fluids on the floor in excitement of this non-consequential and very myopic and isolated so-called victory. While perpetually getting high on their own farts, they fail to realize this internal win is akin to being elected to drive the flaming motor home over the side of the mountain. Canadians on the moderate whole, left or right, do not subscribe to fear-driven populist rhetoric. Right-wing rag skid marks have been trying to change the meaning of the word populist all week, trying to soften it, going so far as calling Trudeau a populist. You said he was a commie. You said he was a tyrant. Make up your damn minds, would ya? For the most part, we Canadians just want to pay our freight, make sure our neighbor is okay, get better at the things we already do pretty well, and generally be left the fuck alone. The moderate majority agrees with helping those who need it, all while not giving away the entire farm. Moderate Canucks take pride in our world stage appearance. We're aware of which charlatans will sully that snazzy red plaid jacket and wranglers we wear as we greet company at the door. We want what's best for us and anyone else who may potentially love our little giant corner of the globe. We love being a landing pad for those who have had a rough go at it in lands that aren't as lucky as we are. We don't subscribe to, nor do we ever govern by fear porn, and quite frankly, we get mildly offended by someone who thinks they can get one over on us with cheap tactics and empty buzzwords. We at The Lynn's Report wish Pierre all the success and happiness he deserves. We hear Candace Bergen may have left some cold ones in the fridge at Stornoway. The one in the garage, that's covered by the Trump 2024 flag. Out of the gate with a trigger warning on this one. If you're a steadfast monarchist, you may want to find another podcast today. Queen Elizabeth II has died, triggering the end of the second Elizabethan era. Full disclosure, I have no love for the institution of the monarchy at all. I don't believe in the elaborate Commonwealth-sponsored fairy tale that has held the reins of multiple sovereign nations fully capable of existing on their own since being invaded and pillaged by centuries of fancily-dressed worldwide crux. And that should be enough. With that said, the monarch, our generation knew, and some cases loved, did do a lot by doing very little. She upheld the traditional dog and pony. She did a very good job at keeping her nose mostly out of the politics side of things, nodding to this, shaking her head at that, and offering mere brow beatings rather than iron fisting. Hot. Queen Elizabeth played dress-up for the commoners for over 70 years, constantly changing hats and frocks to what we assume was an elaborate disguise-swapping measure in an effort to evade the Dole Police for partaking in generational social purse-fleecing that leaves many saying... Yes, lady, May I have another milady? While this may sound cold, please don't take this commentary as hateful. It's meant more to be a refocusing on what is celebrated and beloved and that that is shuddered and systemically ignored. What Queen Elizabeth's time on this throne reminded me of was that of a retired businesswoman who stayed at the company part-time because her face was really what sold the mediocre overpriced service. I grieve the loss of a mother, a sister, a grandmother, but again, where I fall short to shed a tear is for the monarchy itself. Imagine this, a family lives around the corner from you, the same family for decades. They live in a wonderful home. You see them routinely packing up and heading out for the cottage. They have the fanciest of cars, the nicest of clothing, and the most beautiful jewelry you've ever seen. You've watched them embark on countless trips around the globe, yet you've never seen them leave for work. Maybe once in a while you see one of them out talking to a crowd, eating free food, or drinking a pint at the pub. You hear the mom is married to her third cousin, you find out one of the kids is a pedophile, and the other one is selling family tchotchkes, normally revered as sacred, for a few bucks on the side. Here, in the real world, we'd call that dumpster that is on fire at the trailer park. All the while, this family has been sucking at the teat of the common taxpayer to pay for it all for centuries. If this had been Jerry and Susan at the corner, you'd be on the phone with the authorities to report them for social assistance fraud immediately. You'd be enraged that somebody was getting one over on you. It would consume you to hear that this had been going on for generations in Jerry and Susan's families. Don't lie, you know it's true. As the world mourns the loss of Queen Elizabeth, we become entranced by the lore, the history, and the romanticism that is the monarchy. We believe they are a living fairy tale rather than exactly what ruling decorational monarchies really are. Just that. knickknacks from Grandma's house that we can't bring ourselves to toss in the bin no matter how much the storage costs are. The next time you hear the passing of a houseless person who struggled their entire life, remember that the Academy Award-winning dollar store dynasty continues to exist only because you and I. Donald Trump said the Queen knighted him in private. One thing the monarchy and Donald Trump have in common is the tragically effective ability to keep the long con running on the rubes. Maybe she did knight him, out of sheer appreciation for the craft. In Canada, we pay dues to the monarchy to the tune of $60 million a year, which translates to just over $2.5 billion in my lifetime alone. While letting that number marinate, remember, all that homeless soul ever needed was a few portraits of the generational sperm lottery winners in his pocket to maybe have a fair shot in this world and buy a fancy hat. Don't even get me started on native colonies around the world. Hopefully the death of the former CEO, the customers will start to realize they've been paying way too much and receiving nothing in return. Rest in peace, Liz. Don't worry about the bill for the service. We got this one. Again. I will adopt your dogs without bitching, though. Now from the history of screaming at us, you fucking idiots file, a sobering warning has emerged from the riverbanks in Europe where record-setting droughts have been plaguing various regions. Hunger stones serve as grim famine memorials that were erected in Germany and in ethnic German settlements throughout Europe in the 15th through 19th century. The milestones were embedded into a river during droughts to mark the water level as a stark warning to future generations that they will have to endure famine-related hardships. If the water sinks below that level again, one famous example is in the Elbe River in Tetschen, Czech Republic, has Ven du mich say dan vin. I can't do this, but it says if you see me weep. In German, I assume, carved into it as a warning. As with most historical warnings that are gift wrapped and hand delivered to us now, we will choose to ignore it and think it'll be different this time. It's only a matter of time before there are countless Facebook groups claiming the stones were placed there by Klaus Schwab or Justin Trudeau because they're coming for your freedom guns or some shit, I don't know. Before we close today, I would like to take this moment to address a scandal that is yet to emerge. I'm hoping with your help you may be able to expose this egregious and demonstrable fraud on the Canadian people for what it is. Frito-Lay, the makers of Ruffles brand chips, announced they would be teaming up with Kentucky Fried Chicken and releasing a limited edition original recipe chicken flavored potato chip. This news fell directly into the hardened arteries of pandemic-weary Canadians looking for an escape into something comfortable and classic. While the idea of modern-day dirty bird usually comes with some degree of consternation, we can all agree the OG flavor of that grease trap is one we all grew to love and enjoy. Upon testing the new flavor, I was instantly thrown into fits of disappointed rage and felt as though I had been duped. Anyone who has eaten Lay's brand roasted chicken chips because they bought them by mistake will immediately recognize the flavor and presumably overreact just like I have. I'm not asking you to believe me. Please do your own research. I'm on to you, Frito-Lay. Stay tuned later this week for a special outlining this reporter's adventures to the Wild West of Canada. The Lynn's Report Edmonton Special Edition will follow this podcast soon. For the Linz Report on the Dean Blundell Podcast Network, I'm Sir Ryan Lindley. Yeah, she knighted me too. Just like Donald Trump. Have a good week, everybody. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at Soundoff.network. Do, Did, Will, The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports.